0: Hello and welcome to the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I am Cosmo Catalano. And we're here for the final grand tour of 2019, the 2019 season. It's the Vuelta a España, the tour of Spain. Three weeks of always entertaining racing, Uh, at least in the last decade or so. It's been a a pretty thrilling event. Uh, It's an event that I feel like every year people seem to be surprised that it ends up being great. Um, I don't, I don't think you should be surprised. I think it's going to be a great race again this year. It has been recently. I think it's well worth it to preview this race. And that's what we're here for. We're here to give you our takes on the, the contenders, the route, who we think is going to win, just some good old fashioned recon riding. Uh, and, uh, I'm looking forward to it because we've had two great grand tours already this year. And I think all signs point to this one being another good one.
1: Yeah, it's the the Vuelta, like you said, it does sort of have a way of delivering, kind of regardless of of what the start list looks like, of, of 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 what the rest of the season's been like. Pretty much, it it makes its own path, and it turns out some some guys who just for whatever reason haven't been able to get it done on other Grand Tours, they seem to show up and, and deliver at the Vuelta. Uh, you know, Tony Rominger, Alex Zula, Chris Horner. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. I think Lauren Jalabert actually won it, uh, unless I'm going crazy.
0: And w- one of the cool things about the fact that those names are sprinkled in there, and, and it's definitely a race for up and comers, you know, who have their first Grand Tour experience. There's a long list of guys who, big names now, whose you know first real big Grand Tour success was in this race. But at the same time, the list of recent winners is it's a pretty sterling list. Uh, Chris Froome's on there, you know, Nairo Quintana, Contador, Nibali. Simon Yates, last year's winner, a rising GC star. Uh, and unfortunately not here this year, by the way, but the start list, even without him, plenty strong. Uh, so yeah, you have a, a list of recent winners over the past decade. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I think just it's, it's proof that the level of competition is pretty high here. And I think that sometimes gets glossed over a little bit. I think maybe because this race in the past, a long time ago, didn't have quite that same level. Look, those days are over. And I think, uh, this race has a really high level of competition now.
1: Ah, oh, they, they used to hold it in June, which is just like. But what, what were you even thinking? Yeah, man? <laughs> the
0: the date change was huge for this race, and and mm-hmm. honestly, it was. It's a sign of 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 a of an aspect of this race that I really enjoy. Something about the Vuelta that I love. Um, people, uh, people are going to watch the Tour no matter what every year because it's the biggest race in cycling, and and that's not going to change. Uh, the Giro has this. It's got this combination of thrilling racing, but also uh, culture and feel, uh, history. And I think with the Vuelta, people uh, sometimes uh, kind of talk down on the Vuelta a little bit because it's a little bit newer, because it's... Look, the red jersey is not that old. Uh, But I think the fact that the Vuelta tries new things, they're okay with experimenting a little bit, uh, changing the date, changing the jersey, uh, throwing in a a nutty stage in Andorra a couple of years ago. I mean, this race does some interesting things and I think that can actually be pretty cool. And I like that about this race.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are things the Volta, uh, has done that no other race has done. And there are things the Volta has tried to do that no other race has done. Uh, in the, in the early aughts, I think it was 2002 or 2003, uh, Unipublic, who was then the owner of the race, decided that they were going to do, they were going to mess, they were going to, they were going to have a, basically a qualifying week with two separate pelotons of 16 teams for the first week of the race. They would do the same parkour, just like an hour apart. And at the end of the week, the best nine teams from each of those pelotons would compete in a regular, in quotation marks, grand tour for the remaining two weeks. Uh, it, it, uh, apparently the UCI of surprisingly said this was great, but, uh, I think a lot of teams, a lot of other, there's a lot of pushback, uh, from teams and riders and they didn't end up going through with it. But just the scope and the craziness of that plan, I think is, the most emblematic thing I can think
0: of about the Peloton. It's like the Hammer Series meets Grand Tours. I, I, I love it. It might
1: be a little more immediately comprehensible than the Hammer Series. Maybe I so. I like the yeah, Hammer Series. Yeah. It makes sense if you watch the two-minute Hammer Series explained video. Right. It, it does a pretty good job, but, like, I think the idea of two separate Pelotons an hour apart is just insane.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so I think we've established that we're excited about this race. You should be, too. Uh, you should watch. And... You know, you'll have some knowledge going into it because you're listening to a podcast that's going to tell you all about the route and the favorites. So let's get to the route first the parkour for the 2019 Vuelta Hispana. So the Vuelta this year has. No shortage of uphill finishes. That's pretty standard for the Vuelta. Uh, it's a it's a race that loves to throw in uh, steep, challenging climbs. And generally speaking, it avoids the really long, grindy climbs that you'll see a lot of in the Tour, and, and also some of them uh, in the Giro as well. So it tends to be an exciting parkour. I think no different this year. The race starts on the Mediterranean coast, uh, southeastern-ish uh, Alicante area uh, in Torrevieja, Vieja with a team time trial not in love with that but I'll put it aside cuz I do love the rest of the Vuelta, so I'll let it I'll let it go. Um, one great thing about the Vuelta this year, one of many there's a really hard stage in the first week, stage 5. It finishes uh with an 11k climb with a, like a average gradient with an average gradient a little under 8%. So if you look back if you think back to the Giro when we were kind of bored out of our minds in the first week. <laughs> there was just not a lot going on. I think this is a really nice way to break up some of the early week uh, doldrums. This is a tough climb to close out a stage uh, as early as stage 5. Stage 6, another tough one. Uh, stage 7, there's another uh, steep late climb. There's just late climbs really early on in this race, and that's, uh, that's something, again, that the Vuelta does that not you're not going to see that often in the other two uh, grand Tours. Stage nine, though, that's a real big one. That's, I think, one of we're gonna see the GC guys really kind of come out and and start throwing haymakers. Hopefully, uh, because there are some opportunities with some tough climbs.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy day. It's only 94 kilometers long, which is. You're taking superhuman individuals and putting them on a very human distance. There is a ton of climbing here. It's all up and down for the most part. There's sort of an extended downhill early on in the stage, but it starts on a climb. So you're going to have a lot of tactics like, will a breakaway go early? And then the GC guys and sprinters will put out a roadblock to keep from getting dropped. Uh, it's just this, This it, it, it finishes with this stair-step climb up to, to, to I think it's Cortal's Comp.
0: Yeah, this is, it's an Andorra stage. My my uh, Spanish knowledge is sort of only so useful when the race also goes to places that speak other languages. This is a challenge, you know?
1: Yes. Starting in Andorra, which is not part of Spain, but yeah, I, there's this, this, this Spanish. The, the cultural distinctions between microstates and the European nations surrounding them are not as, maybe not as strong as I, you, you might expect, considering they drew their own boundaries. But anyway yeah it's it is a really unique day with a lot of climbing and and kind of there's just there's not a lot of places to hide on this stage I think some of those earlier uphill finishes you were talking about really you know there people are gonna be kind of cagey about it there's probably gonna be a break up the road this is 94k like
0: and there is a gravel section on the Corels and camp climb I think it's about 4k long uh, Get in the road a, it's a flat stretch leading into the final uh, hard section Uh but, yeah, welcome to the future uh, gravel racing. So that's kind of exciting. Hopefully we'll see some interesting. Thing. I mean, I think generally speaking, when they throw in a little bit of gravel on the climbs and the Grand Tours, it it adds the right amount of interest. Like nothing insane happens or has happened at least the last couple of years they've done this. Uh, but it does it does make things a little bit harder. It makes things a little bit more interesting.
1: No i I prefer it to the kind of like comically steep climbs you'll see every so often in the Vuelta. I, those are a great spectacle, and they definitely change the tactics around. but I always I like the the kind of the, the gravel surfaces bring that kind of irregularity. You see it a lot in Strada Bianca where some sections of the road are super rideable and then you take what seems like a sensible line around a quarter and suddenly you're in four inches of of loose silt and uh, I, I just like that that extra sense of awareness a rider has to have being on gravel all
0: right so after stage nine there's a there's a rest day and then back to gc action because there is the lone individual time trial um it, it's a 36.2 k tt there's a couple of hills along the way but mostly flat it's it's a going to keep the climbers honest uh i, I think i think you got to have this kind of stage uh in in, in any grand tour and That said, it's definitely a climber-friendly race this year because there is just this one individual time trial. Uh, And then, yeah, after that, we kind of get back to it. Um, Stage 13 is the next big kind of GC-type day. I I think there's seven categorized climbs. Uh, Stage 15 is a very hard day. There are four Category 1 climbs on Stage 15. Uh, Sixteen's a hard one as well. Uphill finish. Uh, Stage 20 is a...
1: It's yeah, going to be a good one as
0: well.
1: It's good that they really eased off, uh, kind of coming into the end of the race, and, and really, you know, they only gave them six categorized climbs on the penultimate day. <laughs> Fortunately, none of them are especial uh, category climbs, but there are still two cat ones, two cat twos, and two cat threes. An uphill finish at the end on that third or that yeah that second cat three climb, which was the sixth climb of the day. Uh, it's, I like the little climb at the end of a long day like this better than the kind of big, grindy climbs you'll see at the Tour de France. It just, it's not as predictable. You know, you can have guys who feel great on one climb and then they make that descent and they have to shift back into the climbing gear and they don't have it. It's way less, uh, you end up with a much smaller group. It's not like, you know, three Ineos riders setting up a group of 20. It's a group of 13 guys that have survived you know maybe with a teammate if they're lucky to this last it's almost like a classic style finish so for me this is a really cool way if exceptionally brutal to kind of finish off the GC action
0: totally uh, and then of course as usual the race finishes in madrid with what should be a sprinter's stage uh not always but should be a sprinter's stage uh, to close things out so that's your route for the vuelta you know as we kind of said there there's a lot of hard climbs but at the same time there aren't that many The Vuelta just doesn't have the same old faithful uh, standards climbs that you see at the the Giro or the Tour. And I think that's a cool uh, difference. I think that that allows the race to mix things up a little bit. And and, uh, this year uh, has that going forward as well, where you have a a number of climbs that are just, you don't see them that often in the Vuelta or, or ever. And hopefully they'll make things a little bit more interesting, spice things up a little bit. That's the route. Let's talk about the favorites. Right, so, Cosmo, as we were discussing coming into the show when we were doing a little bit of planning, one of the things that makes this welter so interesting going in is the way the favorites are stacked up and the, specifically that the teams they ride on. Because there are three teams in this race, I think, you can make the argument that have uh, potential winners in, in multiples. Uh, you yeah. have, yeah. Uh, starting with Jumbo Visma, Primoz Roglic and Steven Chryswicker here. And this is a team that as a Tour de France, uh, they were the team that actually seemed like they might have the firepower to kind of stand up to Ineos in the, in the domestique department. Uh, they have their Tour de France podium finisher here. They also have Primoz Roglic. They also have George Bennett. Yeah. Team. They have, they have George Bennett. They have, they have Sepp Kuss. They have Nielsen right. Paulus. They got a lot of firepower. Um, And yeah, they have their leaders in Steven Chrysler and Primoz Roglic, uh, both of whom I think could win this race. I'm especially uh, interested in seeing how Primoz Roglic does. He had a fine Giro d'Italia, but at the same time, I also think he had a bit of a disappointing Giro d'Italia because he was the overall favorite coming into the race. Uh, And and the fact that he didn't win, I think, was a kind of a disappointment for him. Uh,
1: He might have overdone it on the run-in. To the to the the Giro yeah. bit, he was very strong through the first half ish of the race and really kind of slid off from there. And I mean, that's that that's the risk you take, really, kind of getting on that knife edge before the race. And he seems to be taking a, a kind of almost the opposite approach here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really I'm really confused as to why Steven Krauswag wanted to come to this race. I I, I mean, it's cool that he did. It's great. I love watching him ride, but like, you know, he had a really strong tour. He, I don't think he's got anything he's trying to prove that he didn't prove in July.
0: So here's my so. thought. Um, I think if you're Steven Kreislich or Primoz Roglic and your team just signed Tom Dumoulin, uh, you may have a, an interest in proving that you can actually go win a Grand Tour because Dumoulin comes in and immediately becomes this team's number one GC guy for the Grand Tours. Uh, I think Roglic and Kreislich both. Uh, yeah, they they have reasons to want to do well in this race. There's only so many opportunities at this at this team now, uh, and yeah, hopefully that'll that'll see some sparks fly.
1: I, I maybe I, I agree with that, but maybe what they're planning to do is do what Movistar does and just throw a bunch of GC guys uh, seemingly at random. What a fantastic uh, segue! A... <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you.
0: Let's talk about that. So Movistar coming into this race was all set to go with the Movistar three-headed monster approach that we tend to see them take uh, at Giro's and tours for the last several years. Uh, Unfortunately, Richard Carapas, the reigning Giro champ, who was set to be one of those three Movistar heads, uh, he's out of the race. He crashed this weekend. Injuries are keeping him from starting. So now we're down to just two featured riders for Movistar in Nairo Quintana, and Alejandro Valverde, both of them former winners. Uh, Valverde obviously reaching the later years of his career, but he has certainly continued to be up there even recently in in the Grand Tours, and I think he remains a contender. And Nairo Quintana, somebody who hasn't quite had the last few years he would have hoped for, uh, but still certainly within uh, his his years of being a, a peak performer athletically, I think he can just find that missing Little bit that just hasn't quite been there in the Grand Tours for whatever reason. Uh, he's still a huge threat. And this is a, a Grand Tour that very much suits him with a lot of climbing. Uh, those two riders, yeah, we've seen them race together for the last couple of years. I mean, we we had Mika Landa in here for the last two years at Movistar, but for the longest time, it was Nairo Quintana and, and Alejandro Valverde together. Um, one more last hurrah for them, maybe, as Quintana headed out the door from Movistar at the end of the season by all reports. Uh, yeah, both riders, though, potentially winners here, I think. And, uh, hopefully we'll get either exciting racing or maybe a little bit of drama, because that's what Movistar tends to deliver in the team leadership department. And that's, uh, that's always fun to watch, I have to say. <laughs> All right. The other team with multiple GC type riders, GC stars, Astana, bringing both Miguel Ángel Lopez, the third place finisher at the Vuelta last year, and Jakob Fulsong, who, while he Actually hasn't really done that much in the Grand Tours uh, in his career from a results perspective. Tends to enter them among the top favorites because of his various one-week exploits and potential. You would think to do something in the Grand Tours.
1: Yeah, he's, he's having a pretty good year. Like he's he's riding better than I've ever seen him ride. He's kind of at that 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 kind of mid early mid thirties where they say endurance athletes are at their peak ability. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not sleeping on the guy.
0: Lopez, in particular, I think has the skill set for this race because there are a lot of explosive climbs and he is a he's a fantastic aggressive climber i think his uh his abilities and his attitude really really work well for this race uh full song i think he wants something out of this grand tour year uh obviously he has had a great year as you said he won the dauphiné he won liege best on liege but I feel like Full Song wants more, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him really fighting it out uh, if he's healthy and able.
1: He's sort of that stereotypical guy who can't quite win a Grand Tour, who has won at the Vuelta in the past. But again, I don't want to give it that reputation because you have guys like Quintana and Chris Froome who've won here. But I'm just saying he does kind of fit that mold. Yeah,
0: yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um Esteban Chavez is a cool story. He uh, had a tough year last year because of mono. That's not the cool part of the story. The cool part of the story is that he definitely seems to have worked his way back uh, over the course of the winter. And this is his opportunity to actually lead Mitchelton Scott I- from a GC perspective. Uh, he had a fine Giro d'Italia where he won a stage. Uh, at the Vuelta, he's got a little bit more responsibility. There are no Yates bros here. Uh, the defending champion, Simon Yates, not here. So I think if you're Esteban Chavez, you take this opportunity and run with it, and he has done well at this race in the past. That's a great
1: history at this race.
0: And and a race that only has one individual time trial is is a good one for him because he's not very good at time trials. uh, The smile
1: is not very aerodynamic. But it's great. It's a nice smile, though. It's a great
0: smile. Uh, UAE team emirates with both Fabio Aru, who I'm kind of pulling for to do well and kind of come back. He had iliac artery surgery and appears to be back to... Uh, back to racing form, we'll see what that means here. Uh, also, Tadas Pogacher, the very promising youngster who won the Tour of California this year, getting his Grand Tour debut. This has always been a great race for Grand Tour debutants, so keep an eye on him. That'll be fun to watch. Um, Ineos, none of the uh, none of the big trio. Of Gary Thomas, Chris Froome, or Egon Bernal. Froome generally does race this event; uh, he has won it, of course. But he is injured. If you hadn't heard, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure there are zero people listening to this podcast who don't know that. I just want to throw that out there.
1: I don't, I don't know. Do they, do they know it's all a secret plot? <laughs> That's to a hide, good point. To hide something? Yeah, I
0: wonder what. I wonder what percent don't believe in it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Ineos does have well pools here. He's. He's pretty good. I mean, he's he's uh, he's one of those guys who, on Ineos, he's just he's just a super domestique, and uh, on other teams, he'd probably be a little bit more than that. Nice to see him getting his opportunity here.
1: He's just the guy that won the. That's right. He's a <laughs> Liège winner.
0: He's won some <laughs> stages here and there at a couple of races. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that when you do give him an opportunity, he has shown in the past that he can take it. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. And I think the Welt is a great race for him uh, because he does have that ability to get over these these kinds of climbs. Uh, also, Teo Gegenhart getting an opportunity for some co-leadership. That'll be interesting to see how that works out for him. His Giro did not go according to plan, but this is a nice kind of rebound opportunity for him. Uh, Rigoberto Oran is a rider who has been good the last two years, but not as good as he has wanted to be. Uh, he is here at the helm of a pretty strong EF team uh tj van garden here as well sergio liguita second overall at the tour of california and a bit of a stealth fighter if you will for me guy who's been (laughs) flying under the radar but i think has a lot of talent and is kind of he's ready to take the next step and show that he might be able to be that kind of gc type rider Uh, daniel martinez who is a very strong climber but also a uh, a pretty capable time trialist he's an all-round package Hmm. I think EF did a nice job of signing him. Uh, we'll see if they've done a nice job of developing him. This is his opportunity to show that. Uh, but yeah, EF with a with a kind of under under the radar coming in here. But I like their team for this race. Pierre Latour leading things up for AG2R. Uh, Wilco Kelderman at the Sunweb helm. Louis is here for Dimension Data. And uh, I think that's probably a pretty comprehensive view here of your. Potential GC guys. The sprinting field has a couple of heavy hitters in the form of Fernando Gaviria. Go ahead.
1: Okay, we'll we'll say a couple. We'll say that there's there's people who aren't Sam Bennett here. There is
0: also a guy named Sam Bennett who I'm really glad is getting his opportunity to race a Grand Tour. He was left (laughs) off the Giro squad.
1: What have they been doing with it? Like, I don't understand. He's been winning like,
0: every one-week uh, sprint Is he, is he is too, is
1: too valuable to take out and race? I, is he I, that like special car that you just keep under a blanket in the garage and only take it out that one sunny day? I like, think
0: the way that they see it, um, they, have, uh, uh, they have a German guy, and they really like to give him opportunities. And, and to be fair, Pascal Ackerman has had a nice year. Yeah.
1: Sure, but Sam Bennett is also having is. a very he is good he's having year. a
0: fantastic year. This is and this should be a good opportunity for him. I think he should be able to come away with multiple wins in this race with Gaviria being the real the competition because beyond that, there's nobody really of their caliber uh, in the sprinting field at this race.
1: Deegan Kolb's here, but he hasn't been like a, a an everyday group sprinter in a long time.
0: Definitely, I mean, he, I think he can thrive in this race because. There are some some days here where there's a sprint after a tough day oh, yeah. or, to or after tough to mountain stages. Yeah, exactly. That's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, Father Jakobsen is a guy you might want to watch from Quick Quickstep. A very strong up and coming sprinter for that team. Uh, and it's a team that I think is willing to let a guy like Eli Viviani go this transfer season because they have talents waiting in the wings like Jakobsen. So watch out for him. Um, he has he also has Richese here leading him out, which is yeah, a great a, way
1: to win bike races. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh Max Walsheed, Sunweb, Luca Mesgec, having a nice year for Mitchelton. Uh Ma-
1: Max Max Walsh and not case bowl. So ooh, yeah, we'll good know point. for sure.
0: No 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 risk of misidentification, which happened at least twice this year. It
1: happened an amazingly large number of times. Yeah.
0: Um so there you go. That that's your sprinting field. Uh and of course, numerous Breakaway type riders, because this is a this is an event that does have those kinds of stages. It's a race that uh, if you're Ben King, for instance, of Dimension Data, mm. you might go out and get two stage wins, like he did last year. He's he's done some things. He here. He has, and this is a great race for a rider like Ben King. Uh, so keep an eye on him and any of those other breakaway friendly types at the Vuelta a España. This is a good race for them. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some overall favorites. You got a podium in mind?
1: Pick pick a Yumbo guy, pick a movie star guy, yeah. pick an Astana I guy. right? think that's probably it's much... the best way to go. Uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Primo Rolich. I I completely agree with you. Uh, I I think he's he's shown he can be a dominant rider. Um, when he's when when the form is there, when he hasn't overdone it, he's got an incredible squad. I'm gonna put. Uh, Nairo Quintana in second. I think he'll probably end up being the strongest of the Movistar guys. Uh, and then uh, let's go with Full Song in third. I, I like it. he's having a good year. I like the guy. I
0: like that podium. All right, I'm gonna go with uh, Lopez. Uh, mm. I think he is rested. I think he's ready. I think he has the talent. And uh, specifically for this kind of race, I like his chances. I like Astana's team. Uh, I'll put Roglic on the podium as well. I think the lack of time trialage... There's one. I think he would prefer there be 20. Uh, (laughs) Rounding out the podium, I'll put Quintana up there. I think the climber-friendly nature of this Grand Tour, the altitude, the fact that he's probably motivated to get something out of this year, uh, I like his chances to end up somewhere near the top of the overall standings for this race. I'm still
1: thinking about the 20 time trial Grand Tour you've just proposed. You're really boring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, maybe he would uh, dominate that. I don't know. So those are our overall podium picks. Because this is the first of our three shows for the Vuelta, we will also do some some previewing and some picks of the first block of stages, the the first stretch of race days before the first rest day. That rest day comes after stage nine. So let's really quickly hit those first nine stages and uh, make some predictions. Uh, The race starts off with a team time trial in Torrevieja. Uh, it's it's kind of cool. I think a lot of times team time trials, uh, you have a very very clear top dog or top two dogs, but I think this is a pretty open. Are, are you about to praise a team time team trial? Team time trial. I'm just taking away from the criticism a little bit. Uh, I, I okay. still would wish this was not a team time trial. Uh, I'm gonna go with Yumbo Visma for this one because they have Primoz Roglic. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh,
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Wolf Pack here. I'm going to take a quick step. It's it's not a particularly long day. They have a lot of strong, fast, punchy guys on that team. They tend to ride pretty well together. Uh yeah, I like him here.
0: All right, stage 2. Staying on that southern staying on that Mediterranean coast. Uh it looks like it could be a a kind of late attacker or potentially a sprinter. I like Sam Bennett's ability to survive and sprint to the win.
1: That's a that's a late climb though. That is well, it's like 20k from the end. I guess it's not that close. Yeah, I'll go with Bennett here too. Um, I, I I like him to win basically all the sprints here.
0: So yeah, stage three looks like it should be a sprint finish in Alicante. I like Fernando Gaviria for this one.
1: I'm still going to like Sam Bennett for this one. All
0: right. What about stage four, which should be another sprint finish? How do you feel about that one?
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say Sam Bennett. All right.
0: I'm going to go with Sam Bennett for that one as well, actually. Uh, Stage five, we mentioned this is a cool stage. Ends with a pretty tough climb, 11.1K at 7.8%. And uh, I love it. I love that this is a stage five in a Grand Tour. I like Alejandro Valverde for this. This is a Valverde kind of stage to me.
1: I don't know. I might go with Rigoberto Urán. I have no idea why I want to do that, but I think I'm going that way.
0: All right. Stage six has another late climb, not as hard. It's a category three finish. I don't want to get boring, but I love Alejandro Valverde for this stage, too. So I'm going to go with Valverde on back-to-back days.
1: Um, I'm going to pick Primo Rolich on this one. Um, I just don't want to pick Valverde because he already picked him.
0: You know, that's okay.
1: You're allowed to. I already We picked Bennett, like the same time oh man re- repeatedly
0: like it's just not you got to bring the variety you know yeah that's true uh stage seven has a very cool finish it's a 4.1 kilometer climb easy right 12.3 percent kind of ridiculous that gradient i love lopez for this i think he could really sail away from the pack in the late goings of this stage i might go with valverde here since you didn't go oh good okay sounds good i like that stage eight uh probably a sprinter's stage is a category two in the last 30k but i think this probably stays together i'm going with It.
1: i am also going to stand
0: it all right stage nine it's a tough one it's an andorra stage and it finishes with the quartals down comp climb there's a gravel section it's steep it's long uh i think this is a prima's Roglich kind of day
1: that's a good pick um Also pretty high up there, 2,000 meters. Maybe I'll go with uh, Quintana on this one.
0: All right, those are our picks for the first nine stages. Then there will be a rest day, so we'll have an opportunity to come back, provide some more insight, analysis, assuming that it is what we do. Uh, I hope people see it that way. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed, and hopefully you'll have a chance to watch the Vuelta a España. It will be worth your time. It always has been since I've watched it, at least. So, yeah, check it out. The race starts on Saturday. And then it's three weeks of fun in Spain. This has been the Recon Ride. I'm Dan Cash.
1: And I'm Cosmo Catalano.
0: And that's our show.